All right, here's part three, and I apologize. It's obviously a busy day at work already, and we've got lots going on, thus the reason that I'm creating a podcast for you rather than um, having a live review. But again, don't forget, if anything comes up as you're preparing and you have questions, be sure to get back to me via email. Um, okay, so looking at where we left off, we were talking about the difference between angina and an MI, angina being a decrease in oxygen to the heart, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of a warning sign for a heart attack. And the myocardial infarction is due to that complete blockage of oxygen to the heart because, as we were saying, the heart muscle and the brain have no oxygen reserves at all and they cannot survive without oxygen, even for just a few seconds. The cabbage is the coronary artery bypass graft that is done to um, go around the blockage to restore blood flow to the heart. And then we have the tetralogy of phallate, or fellow. It is a four defects um, that are associated with the heart, where you have pulmonary stenosis, ventricular septal de defect, and um, you know, the aortic communication between both ventricles. So you'll end up with right ventricular hypertrophy, that floppy right ventricle, and then all the associated signs and symptoms with right ventricular um, heart failure. Hypertensive heart, heart disease is just caused by hypertension. The heart has to work harder and um, will, you know, the, it will develop into a congestive heart failure type of issue. You can have an infection um, of the endocardium, and you know the endocardium is the lining of the heart. And many patients also may need a replacement valve in the heart. And you know, consider Arnold Schwarzenegger, who just had one of his heart valves replaced. Actually, the second one. Um, who know, who knows why? Many people um, hypothesize that his heart damage was caused by overuse of steroids. Um, don't know. Joint replacements, dental work, all important because whenever you have that joint replacement, it harbors bacteria and it can cause infective endocarditis, right? The bacteria that's around the, um, the bacteria that can grow around the joint can go through the blood system and infect the endocardium. Dental work as well. You know, you have so much bacteria in your mouth. So most patients may have to be put on some type of prophylactic antibiotics if they have joints, um, total joint replacements. Risk factors um, for heart disease, um, obesity, especially in the trunk area where um, if you have fat in the trunk, you have fat around the heart. Um, and I mean, I it's funny, my brother, I tell a funny story about how I go visit him. I went, oh, I mean, look where you're putting on your fat. That's not healthy, you know. And he, every time I see him now, he says, you remember when you told me that? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Um, risk factors, though, not only the obesity in the trunk, but age, gender, genetics, you know, um, general obesity, sedentary lifestyle, cigarette smoking, um, what else? Diabetes, hypertension, um, oral contraceptives for women, for sure. Um, okay. Arterial diseases, we talked about hypertension, know what level is considered hypertension for blood pressure. Remember, it's 120 over 80 or higher. Your predisposing factors, um, salt, obesity, diabetes, high cholesterol, 
um, again, that sedentary lifestyle. Um, and to fix it, you just do the opposite. Start moving, lower your cholesterol, lower your weight and control your diabetes. Other treatments are your beta blockers. They relax the blood vessels, decrease blood pressure. Your calcium channel, channel blockers that dilate the coronary arteries. Your ACE inhibitors, which inhibit an increase in heart rate or blood pressure. Your diuretics, which get rid of fluid. Um, hypokalemia is common with diuretics. And then your cholesterol-lowering drugs. And remember the muscle weakness that can be associated with cholesterol-lowering drugs. If somebody is on them, they may develop something called rhabdomyolysis, which is that significant weakening of muscles. And um, so many people are on these drugs that are being treated in physical therapy. If you see something like that, you need to immediately report it. Atherosclerosis, you know, a form of arteriosclerosis. So understand the difference in those terms. You know, the arterio, meaning artery narrowing or artery thickening, um, the loss of elasticity, um, making the artery seem narrower, okay? Atherosclerosis is a form of it because it is where plaques build up into the wall of the artery. It is modifiable through um, exercise, you know, decreasing weight, having good diet. Um, but, you know, risk factors are all the same that we've been highlighting. And your non-modifiable risk factors would be your age, gender, I'm sorry, gender and genetics. Um, part of um, high, uh, blood pressure is always going to, we're always going to be talking about orthostatic hypotension, which is your postural hypotension. You know, colloquially, it's, it's a, that head rush or that dizzy spell, or, you know, you stand up too quick and get woozy. It is a form of hypotension because the blood pressure suddenly falls when standing up. The, you know, it's just blood pooling in the lower extremities with a change in body position. So we'll tell patients to sit before, I mean, sit before they stand, stand before they walk, but in each phase, make sure that their head is clear. Um, peripheral vascular disease, we talked about arterial ulcers and venous ulcers and the differences between the two. You know, with arterial ulcers, it means that we're not, the, the blood vessels are not getting blood to the area. So you'll have pain when the legs are elevated, right? Because it's hard for the blood to pump against gravity. Whereas with venous um, disease, your pain will be when legs are hanging down because the blood can't come back out of the legs against gravity. So, you know, understanding what's happening with both. We also know about neuropathic ulcers. You know, neuropathic means that there's something wrong with the nerves and that's why you can't feel and you develop an ulcer on the foot, usually with diabetes but at that point, it's even though it can be caused by pressure, we call it a neuropathic ulcer rather than a pressure ulcer because it's caused by lack of sensation. And then your DVT, your deep vein thrombosis, you know, what, what are the risk factors there? You know, certainly immobility after surgery. Um, have a patient that has phlebitis in the legs, swollen legs, and they're unable to pump those muscles, they can develop DVT. But somebody who's not moving, right, will have a higher risk 
of DVT because it's the blood, <clears throat> the blood is returned out of the legs with muscle pumping. I'm using the, the venous structure and the valves. Raynaud's disease, you're going to hear a lot about as you learn about the use of cryotherapy or cold therapy. Um, it is a contraindication because it, it is intermittent small artery constriction in response to cold. So somebody going out in the cold weather now, their hands would turn white um, and it would be painful. You know, they don't really know what causes this. Um, they have determined that treatment might be with Viagra. Viagra causes blood vessel dilation. So why not use it to dilate the small blood vessels in the distal extremities to prevent Raynaud's? I mean, pretty cool. Um, understand the causes of thrombosis or blood clot and embolus, where the blood clot breaks free into the circular into the circulatory system and those prevention strategies. All right. Um, what is fibromyalgia, and what you know? Remember that those they are sp specific points, um, and the primary treatment. Right. Primary treatment for fibromyalgia is exercise. Even though the patient doesn't want to exercise, they don't feel well, everything hurts, they do need to avoid pushing through pain. You know, the no pain, no gain thing doesn't work here. Patients need to let pain be their guide in all therapy sessions, but especially with fibromyalgia. Um, but treatment is exercise. So getting the patient moving will help, even though we've got to ensure that they you know, they move within some type of balance. Oh, goodness. I think we also talked about the immune system. Um, you know, the immune system, you've had it in, in anatomy. You now have it in patho. Um, so understanding the lines of defense, what happens at each stage, you know, um, what are the specific defenses? You know, that third line is the immune system. B cells, T cells, where are they made? Um, how are they formed? Where do they mature? That kind of thing. Um, what do memory cells do? Um, and then your hypersensitivity reactions. If I remember on the quiz, this was a difficult um, task for most of you. You know, type one is your allergic reactions. Your hay fever, food, asthma are all type one. Type two are antibody dependent. You know, and we talked specifically about the antibodies on blood cells. So blood transfusion would be a classic example of type two. Type three is your immune hypersensitivity or your autoimmune diseases like um, systemic lupus, erythematosus, or rheumatoid arthritis. And then type four was your cell mediated or delayed. So it's a delayed reaction from your sensitized T cells, like the TB test. Um, different words associated with the reactions, urticaria, your hives, your purpura, your purplish, purplish discoloration on the skin, puritis, meaning itching, and then of course your anaphylaxis. And um, we've talked a lot about anaphylaxis, you know, it's severe, life-threatening. Um, what are the symptoms? What physiologically happens? And what is the treatment? All right, obviously, um, 911, EpiPen, et cetera. Okay, the endocrine system, um, understand the negative feedback mechanism, um, understand hypo versus hyper. I think many of you had difficulty with the different diagnoses here. 
the diagnoses that we covered were Cushing's, acromegaly, gigantism, cretinism, and I think cretinism was the one that was the hardest for you. Cretinism um, is hypothyroidism, um, Addison's disease, and Graves' disease, right? Graves' disease being hyperthyroidism. Um, understand the signs and symptoms of each because with um, hyperthyroidism, the patient's going to have an increased temperature. They're going to have um, between the two, you'll need to know which one has heat intolerance, cold intolerance, so that you adjust your therapy appropriately for them. Um, understand implications for you if you see certain signs and symptoms of the disease. What do you do about it? Um, who do you talk to? When do you report it, et cetera? When do you call 911? Okay. And then, of course, diabetes. You guys have had a CSIS form on diabetes, type 1 versus type 2. Make sure to go back and review. Um, I have to say that when you do those CSIS forms, the more um, information you put on them, the better for your review. Um, but with you need to know everything about type 1 and type 2, right? When we think about type 1, it is autoimmune. Um, happens in children and young adults, usually a more acute onset, whereas type 2 is a more chronic onset. Um, insulin replacement for type 1, diet and exercise, the primary treatment for type 2, although they may need additional insulin as well. So go back and look at type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Um, risk factors for pressure ulcers, um, you know, based on a scenario, be able to you know, stage a pressure ulcer, right? Stage one is just that non-blanchable erythema. Stage two has a blister. Stage three is full thickness all the way down to, but not through, right? Down to the fascia. Stage four, through the fascia, to muscle, bone. I've seen these and they are horrendous and hard to heal. And then understand what is unstageable or deep tissue injury. Okay. Those were the additional ones. Um, goodness, the hematological disorders that we talked about, anemia, leukemia, hemophilia, multiple myeloma, and sickle cell. You know, be sure to have, you know, key facts about each of those and your electrolyte imbalances. Ooh, electrolyte imbalances. Um, hyper and hypokalemia, signs and symptoms hyper and hypocalcemia, signs and symptoms, hyper and hyponatremia, signs and symptoms. Um, so we had, I'm thinking I'm in natremia, calcemia, hypokalemia, and magnesemia, magnesium. Okay, those were the, the ones we talked about. Then your tinnias, your tinea infections. Remember, tinea is a fungus, um, nomenclature. Just remember the different nomenclature for the body, which is corporis, the scalp, capitis, feet, pedis, um, finger and toenails, a fun word, right? Um, onychomycosis. I always like fun words. It makes you sound smart. All right, your skin lesions, A, B, C, D, and E's of skin lesions for cancer and malignant melanoma. Know your psoriasis, right? If you see psoriasis, you'll see you know, that silvery scale on the erythematous base. Um, scleroderma, that shiny, hard skin, um, immovable, tight skin, that face, you know, pulled tight, fingers, difficulty to bend. 
your rule of nines for burn assessment. All right, if you're trying to figure out the rule of nines, remember everything generally adds up to nine. So the front of the arm, 4.5. The back of the arm, 4.5. If the entire arm is involved, it would be a total of nine. Um, the, th the thorax would be two nines, so 18. Um, go back and review that. You, it, it's an easy question to ask you um, if, like we did in your um, attendance discussion, how to um, rate it. And remember that the rule of nines is really an estimate. Overestimating is not uncommon. It's better to overestimate than underestimate. So if we say, you know, if you look at an arm and it's burned kind of in the um, antecubital area, you know, where you get an IV, but it's the front of the arm, they'll go ahead and count it at 4.5, even though the entire surface of the front of the arm is not burned. It helps them to determine resources and prognosis and acuity of the patient, you know, how much care that patient will need. Cellulitis and, you know, an infection of the tissues of affection, infection of the dermis and subcutaneous tissue. Remember that it's usually caused by staph. But if you have a cellulitis, it's common for that swollen area to be more prone to additional infection. Um, different infectious diseases, right? Bacteria, fungus, viruses. Um, we talked about the flu. We talked about herpes, the different types of herpes. We talked about verruque, warts. Um, we talked about HPV, human papillomavirus, and all the different types of warts caused by HPV. Um, prion diseases. Um, and, you know, what's the common cause of prion diseases? Remember, it's ingestion of contaminated tissue. Um, protozoa are your parasites, malaria, trichinosis, roundworms, and flatworms. Pediculosis, again, a cool word for lice. If you have young children, I don't, I don't even know the percentage, but it's probably a very high percentage of kids who come home from school with lice. And remember, lice is diagnosed by the presence of nits or those eggs in hair shafts. Then you have scabies. Um, scabies, that invasion of mites. Ooh, the larvae migrate to the skin surface. Oh, highly, incredibly puritic just feeling those little wormies things um, moving under the surface of the skin it has to be awful. Never had it and don't want it. And then your STDs, you've got your chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, genital herpes and genital warts, your HPV. Go back and review those causes. And um, I think I, we may have covered some lab tests and values that we'll have to um, review again, but I'm kind of tired of this and we're going on almost 20 minutes, so I'm going to stop. Uh, my biggest um, re review reminder would be to have completed your study guides and go back and review your study guides. Talking knowledge of each of those concepts and your midterm, although very daunting, very scary, very comprehensive, um, you'll get through it if you can get through those study guides. All right. Don't forget to send me an email if you have any questions. I'm happy to review them, but I will be um, dealing with some issues on campus all day today and unable to attend our live session today. All right, you take care.